one of us is the way we are because of how we think. For example, a lion will see an elephant and the thing that comes to his mind, one word, lunch. Now the elephant is 10 times the size of the lion, probably 50 times heavier and has more power. One stomp of his feet could destroy the lion. But when the lion sees the elephant, he doesn't look at size and weight and strength and power. He looks at lunch. I could eat this thing. And he acts the way he thinks. The size is not the problem. The weight of the elephant is not his concern. What makes him act is the way he thinks. And because he thinks he can eat the, the elephant, he attacks it. Now, here's another amazing mystery. The elephant is larger, bigger, stronger, more powerful, heavier, and more intelligent. And yet, when the elephant sees the lion, one word comes to mind, eater. The elephant is controlled by the way he thinks. He thinks that he is lunch. Therefore, his size, his weight, his power, his might, his, his authority is a victim of the way he thinks. It doesn't matter how big you are, how intelligent you are, how many degrees you get. It's your mind that keeps you small. Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And we are going to continue our, our, our um, discussion regarding thinking, regarding the power of the mind, regarding what the Bible says about mind. You know, mind is built. How you build a mind, how you built a life is through the mind. It's how the mind forms and how the, how the mind uh, directs thoughts and how the mind directs Actions. We're going to be discussing that over the next uh, few sessions because it's extremely important uh, to build your mind, to build your mind. And, and the great apostle Paul, or the New Testament, or the within the epistles, uh, the word mind is used 24 times. So we need to pay attention to why that word is used, that, that word uh, nous is used, N-O-U-S is used. Why is that word used so many times uh, where, you know, we, we don't hear sermons uh, that much that are, uh, that are focused on thinking, on thinking and how to come to think? How do we think correctly? We spoke last week on, um, on how uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, how the great apostle Paul tells you, don't be anxious, but then he gives you the process of how to get rid of anxiety through prayer and supplications and thanksgivings, right? Those three main elements of anxiety dealing with the carrying of burdens, the carrying of cares. But we're going to begin to, to um, build thinking on, in this series on how to think, how important it is, what builds thinking. Well, it's the, it's the um, 
it's the concept of epistemology, and, and that is the, br the branch of philosophy that examines the nature of knowledge. You know, where does knowledge come from? How, does, how is thinking formed? You know, we go to school to, to teach our children how to think, okay? We, the, that's epistemology. That's how they get to knowledge, mathematics and in science and, and, um, and all those, those uh, rudimentary uh, disciplines right? That's epistemology. You know, when we do hermeneutics, when we study the Bible, that's epistemology. Every time you hear a sermon, you are getting the results of epistemology that that's, that person that you're listening to that is preached, you know, he's preaching to you some information, some knowledge, some scripture. But the question is, where did he get that knowledge from? Can that knowledge be proved? You know, the, the theory of cognition, the, the branch of logic that undertakes and explains how knowledge is possible, right? That's epistemology. Where did you get that? Where did you get that thought? Where did you get that revelation? Everything has to be weighed and measured. Your thinking has to be weighed and measured. That's epistemology. How did you think that thought? Why do you think that way? And so when you start looking at the disciplines in the culture, you know, what they're teaching in the culture, um, they form a lot of what the 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 church believes subconsciously what they what they think is acceptable that's all epistemology that's what colossians um 2 verse 8 i believe says that uh that do not allow the philosophers of the age to steal your faith to, to walk you out of the knowledge of god Okay, that's epistemology. Okay, how did they get their knowledge? It's theories. They get you a bunch of theories. They give you the, you know, men, men are no are no longer men, they could become women, and women can become men. That and they they launch you into these theories that if that if you question their epistemology about that, how do they come to that knowledge? They have no answers. They get into, well, this is how I feel, and this is what you you cannot deny an emotion. You can't deny where epistemology don't care about how you feel. It wants to know the facts. It wants to know the truth. Epistemology is the truths behind statements. And that's what we're going to deal with. We're going to deal with epistemology. We're going to deal with, with the idea of where knowledge comes from. How did you get that knowledge? So every preacher as they that you listen to, your pastors, ask them for their notes. Why wouldn't they give you their notes? You know what? Because that that is the epistemology. That is where they get got their knowledge from. Some some would get it from um, uh, non Christian books. They preach non Christian topics and they Christianize them with the words of love or peace or joy, and they incorporate worldly philosophies with biblical words. Okay, and and you can't trace where they're going. Um, theologically, because their sources don't come from there. That's epistemology. How face um, tracing the source of someone's knowledge. How did they get that thought? Where did that that idea come from? That's epistemology to begin to question those things. And so when we look into God's word today, because we're looking at thinking differently for 2023, that means that I have to pay attention to the knowledge that comes to me. And I have to do something with the information that comes into me. That's why the media is so important um, to the culture, because that's where they begin to give you some knowledge 
knowledge, but epistemology, you know, the study of epistemology, epistemology makes you ask the question, where did they come from that? Why all of a sudden can, can a man become a woman and a woman become a man? Why all of a sudden when that there's no, there's no, um, there's no knowledge of that. There's no truths in those things that make those connections. They have to deny science. They have to deny every, They have to deny all kinds of uh, biological um, facts and truths that have been established from natural law because of God. They want to remove God from everything. So the epistemology that we we are going to heavily lean upon. You know the branch of how did you come to that. How did you come to that? And how do you stay, how do you stay in the vein of the, the scriptures? How do you stay in the vein of God's word if um if if you don't question uh, or have a basis for epistemology? How did you get that truth? How did you come to that? that information that's pulling the strings of why people think the way they think. Why would a preacher say um, that that uh, racism is alive and well in the church? Why would they say that? What's the what's the epistemology in that when biblically it says there's no there's no Greek nor Jew, no male, no female in in the in the body? What what how do how do we come to those things? Well, because they're pulling on a different knowledge base, okay? And we have to test that knowledge. Epistemology, how did you get that knowledge? How did you get that theory? How did you come to that scientifically? Show me how. And feelings are not even a part of this. There's no such thing as the feelings. The old sages of the of the of the early, your Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and those those great philosophers of the Greek. You know what? You know how they you know how they how they dealt with feelings. They put truths to them. That's how you answered these ill feelings. I feel like a man. No, no, no. The truth is, you're 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 a woman. That that's the truth. You don't care about how you feel. Or I, I feel like I'm trapped in the wrong body. They, they cut it out. Biologically, you are. Are, are a woman, period, binary, male and female, just like Jesus said, right? Those are fundamental truths. But the world and the culture, you see it all over the media, all over TV. You see it all over. Oh, you can't even turn on. You can't even turn on cable TV on any station. You can go down all their, their stations, and you will have this this non-binary thinking out there when there is binary uh, uh, truths. That you can trace epistemological all the way throughout history. We know where we get those truths from. We know where all this comes from, but they build different theories. Okay? So whenever you start hearing a different theory, whenever you start hearing something different, you have to have epistemology behind you and ask the major questions. Where did you get that knowledge? What is the source of your knowledge? Because our knowledge comes from God. Our knowledge, because our God doesn't have knowledge, He is knowledge. He's the He's the our typical God, which means all knowledge comes from Him. All true knowledge comes from Him, and then from there, you know, men theorize and men pollute the true knowledge of God. This is this is um, this is something that we have to continue 
continue to re-massage back into the church. We have to re-massage this back into the thinking of men that all knowledge comes from God. Our God doesn't contain knowledge or have knowledge. He is knowledge. Jesus is called the wisdom of God, meaning that he's all wisdom. He was, he was everything. He's the incarnation of executed knowledge. That's who Jesus is. But epistemology has to equate into everything that we do, everything that we listen to. I, I want to share a few scriptures on this uh, and, and, and kind of just give you um, a little, a little um, uh, a buffer, if you will you know, on, on how to use epistemology in order to build your thinking. Don't just take everybody's word for granted. Be a good Berean. Like, remember when Paul, when Paul preached a good sermon, the Berean says, yeah, all that sounds really good, but we're going to go home and check it out. You got to have a period in your life where you just check things out. Is that true? Is the gospel they're preaching to me at my church true? Is the Jesus they're preaching to me true? Don't forget, Jesus asked that question himself. Who do men say that I am? And he's standing right in front of them. And they give them all kinds of different weird answers. Some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist just died. Some say that you're Eli Elijah. Some say you're... They give all kinds of... So there's all kinds of information out there or statements out there or trains of thought out there that can be done away with if you have epistemology down in your soul where you ask the question, where did you get that knowledge? Tell me who do men say that I am? That required that required the, the, um, the disciples to ask the question. Ask the question. Well, who is Jesus? And then they gave all kinds of different answers. That is epistemology at work, where someone will ask the question, where did you get that knowledge? Why did they think Jesus was not God, but he was Elijah or Elisha or John the Baptist? Or those are the those are those are questions that get blown up in midair when you what? Use epistemology. You ask the main question. You ask the question. You want to know where that knowledge came from. I know that's quite an in introduction, but we have to understand that, that everything has to be challenged. If you don't weigh the spirit of the message that you're listening to, if you don't weigh this out, you can fall into all kinds of air just because someone with a with a cathedral sounding voice that says God or or sounds like they're like they're educated is leading you, giving you all this information, and you're not checking it out. You're not checking it out. You have to check this information out. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 53 1. I love I love this verse. Okay, I love this verse. And um because it speaks, it speaks to epistemology, the process of epistemology. It says, who believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, now, whom has believed? Now, that word believed is the Hebrew word aman, to nurture and to foster through parenting. In other words, how, how is your knowledge of God 
being transitioned into a belief system? How are you nurturing that? How are you parenting the knowledge of God in your life? How are you how are you challenging the the uh, information that's given to you? Are you parenting your your Christianity? Are you uh, are you parenting and nurturing the sermons and the word of God that's being spoken over your life that it turns into a belief that it turns into something that drives your actions, something that drives your emotions, something that just holds on to your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what that's what Isaiah 53 says. He says, who has believed? You know, who is nurturing the report of the Lord? Who is nurturing? Who is parenting the scriptures over your life? Who is doing that? Are you doing that? epistemology are you questioning the things that are coming into your ears through your sermon through the sermons through the media through the tv through through whatever avenue in which information comes to you the college the university are you nurturing are you the parent over your mind over your heart over the over your over your ears are you are you the parent that's what that's what Isaiah 53 says who has believed in other words who is who is nurturing this thing who is nurturing the the the, the report of the lord you see something you see something being revealed to you in the church you see something being revealed and birthed to you but now you've got to nurture it now you have to guide it now you have to be involved in it by asking by asking epistemology questions how did i get this report okay how did i get the res- this report where does this come from question things Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't just swallow it because it sounds good. You got, you've got to parent the knowledge of God. You've got to parent the thinking in your mind. You've got to oversee. You've got to do your own research on certain things. You have to come with some type of questioning over the knowledge of God over your life. Why? Because it will drive your thinking. That's why so many, you know, the message of grace got so messed up and got such a bad, uh, a bad uh, tarnished perspective from the church that they can do whatever they want. Why? Because nobody was parent parenting the knowledge. They just thought grace was unmerited favor, right? They just thought that you could do whatever you want that God, because we're under grace. We're under this, this umbrella of, of everything's okay. As long as you just confess it to the Lord. Well, that, that's not what the Bible teaches, but that's what happens when you you don't examine the text. That's what happens when you don't have epistemology. When somebody uses those things, all you have to do is confess, right? If you don't ask that question, what is confession? And they say, well, confession is to admit it. No, no, that's not what the Greek word confession is. It's homo logeo. Homo means same. Logeo means word. In other words, it's confession is an alignment, uh, an alignment word. It means when you align with God's word, when you see sin the way God sees sin, then repentance takes place. When you exchange ideas with God. Not when you're caught. Not when you say, I feel guilty. No, it's when you look at God's word and you align yourself. Homo logos. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. So people just think about, you know, well, I, Lord, I committed this sin. Yeah, but how do you see the sin? Because if you don't parent the knowledge of God, then you would, you tend to believe whatever they tell you. All I do is 
cry at the altar. All I do is, all I do is, um, all I do is say that I'm sorry. All I do is, no, no. That's believism, okay? That's believism. Don't forget, Jesus, when Jesus calls a man and a woman in, in the Old Test, in the New Testament, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the calling of the disciples, he said, follow me. He didn't say, repeat after me. Now, that, that, that's a mature word for somebody. Start growing up and stop, stop talking about your Christianity and start following him. And so when you start realizing you're going to have to parent the knowledge. You're going to have to foster it. You're going to have to nurture the knowledge of God. You're going to have to do some study. You're going to have to ask some questions from the perspective of epistemology. I want to know why the preacher just said, all you have to do is repeat this prayer and you're going to heaven. When Jesus said himself in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Well, wait a minute. That's not what I've been taught. I just Todd, if I go to the altar and confess that everything's going to be all right. I know. Because you haven't used epistemology as a tool. Question the knowledge. Question where it comes from. And as we're dealing with this thinking, because epistemology is important to thinking. You are thinking. You're just not, you're just not a consumer of the faith. You are a thinker of the faith. You're just not consuming knowledge. You are examining knowledge. You are judging the knowledge that comes to you and asking the questions. What does this mean? Why are they saying these things? Not just because... It makes me feel good or because, you know, it's easy or because I'm in trouble. Listen, you're going to have to become a parent over the knowledge of God over your life, over the knowledge, your, your eye gate, your ear gate, your, your sight gate. You're going to have to, you're going to have to parent these things and not just leave them over, leave them over to the foster care system of the church. Well, my, well, I like my pastor. He's a good pastor and he's a holy pastor. I know, but every man can make mistakes. Every man is at best a man. You're going to have to parent the knowledge of God so you can ask the questions. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I always, and those people that know me, I will give you my notes so you can, you can check my information and know exactly where I got it, my reference points, the things that I'm putting together. Why do I do that? Epistemology. I'm not afraid to show you where I got the information from. You have to, we have to do these things. That's why when, when college professors, you know, right now when they do all the censorship, why don't they want you to ask questions? Because they don't have a good knowledge base. They deny truths. They go into feelings. They go into theories. They go into, they chase you into this, what Jesus calls error, you know, planeo, a desert. They want you to travel looking for donkeys in a desert. That's what that word means. Jesus says you are in error, right? You're in error for you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. So when you know the scriptures and you know the power of God, when you have experience with both of those things, you identify the errors really, really quick and you don't chase donkeys down the street. You're not in a desert looking for water, looking for answers to life because you have everything in the scriptures. Okay, so let's look at let's look at building the mind through epistemology. Let's look at what the Bible says about mind. Okay, there's two words for mind. And we'll get into that as we move on. I got about 15 more minutes to get through this, but I hope this this is helpful to you. That as you are listening to sermons, epistemology. Okay, 
how do you get your knowledge? How do you get your thinking? Because it's important to understand the process of building the mind, okay? The process of building the mind is through information. It's through information. How do you change your mind? Information. The message. You're gonna have to nurture the message. You have to nurture the word of God in your life. So that's Isaiah 53, 1. Okay. But now Romans 12, 1 and 2. And 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 then again, we, we like these, we like these verses and we hear them all the time. But now let's put them, let's put them in a in a um epistemological concept where you're going to have to realize that not everything that you've heard is really true from the word of God. Now that's, that's hard to say. It's that, that, that's hard to hear because you love your preachers and you love your favorite guys, right? But listen to what the scripture says. Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable sir unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now that word prove, and, and I, I want you to I want you to understand it. The will of God is not uncovered, it is proven. You got to prove the word of God. It's a scientific process of proving, approving. That's how you know the will of God. That's how you understand the will of God, by proving the word of God, by, by staying true to the text, by having good understanding of scripture. That's how you prove. The will of God must be proven in our lives. I've been preaching for 40, 42 years now. And guess what? I am proven that God has called me. It's a proven thing. Where else can I go? What have I been doing all these years? Making mistakes, doing, doing, you know, not always living it, but proving that God has called me, that God's love, proving the grace of God, proving the love of God, proving the will of God, proving the mercies of God, proving all these, these attributes of God to be true in my life, proving the perfect will of God in my life. So when you start looking at this, this scripture here, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the idea is to come to the will of God. The idea is to prove the will of God. That's the end thought in this whole thing. But how do we do that? He says, I beseech you, parakaleo. That means to come alongside and encourage you. That means to come alongside and coach you. That means to come alongside and whisper in your ears words that will push you in the right direction. That's parakaleo. I beseech you. Or some, some of your translations say, I beg you. Okay. I plead with you. I, in, I, I beseech you. That's what New King James says. Okay. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed from the, by the renewing of your mind. So conformity, all human beings are designed to be conformed to something. You are conforming to these things. That's why you see in certain communities, if you if you look at if you look at what the world is doing, right? If you look at the LGBTQ um, uh, 
alphabet people that are out there, right? They all have little blue blue hair and earrings and they all have the same conformed look. You can look at them and you know what their bents are. You know they all kind of look the same. They got that they got that look about them. They, why? Because men and women, human beings are designed to conform. They're designed to conform. Okay, and so when you look at when you look at what what Paul is really writing here, he says, "I'm begging you, brethren, that you that you present your whole your bodies a holy living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and don't be conformed, don't be shaped and molded, okay, to the world." So there's a way that that the church has tried to be so worldly, you know, just to be acceptable. We, we do everything corporate America does in the church now. Why? Because we incorporate, because that's what people do. You know, they feel warm. They feel accepted. They feel, you know, um, they feel uh, that, that there's a connection that the, that the church, that the world doesn't like to wear suits and ties anymore. And, and you have all these things. And so now we got, now we got skinny jeans and tennis shoes on the pulpit. And that's, that's the cool thing. You don't know the difference between the church and the gymnasium anymore. Why? Because of conformity. We've conformed certain ways of the church in order to make every... And again, I'm not saying... I'm not... I can go either way. I don't care. I preach... I, I'm i not a tennis shoe preacher yet, uh, all the way. But, you know, there are times where you do different things and, and uh, you know, a suit's not appropriate for the, for the, for the um, venue and what we're doing. However, however, we conform. But Jesus says, I want you to conform but not to the world, but by the renewing, renewing Anakaneu to renovate. Your mind needs to be renovated. They have to start, we have to start taking out some things and then putting some new things in so that you can conform to the new things. Why? Because with if you don't if you don't renew your mind, you'll never conform and you'll never prove the will of God. See, the will of God must be proven, but it's proven by what you were and what you are now, by conforming to the image of Christ. That's what Ephesians says, that Paul prays until we are formed into the will of God, into the, into the um, image of Christ. We have to be conformed to this image. We have to change how we think. Some, some, some furniture in the mind, low self-esteem has to go, okay? Things of the past have to go. Behaviors have to go. Emotions and feelings have to be renewed, okay? Renovated. Why? Because the, the root word for anakanu is, is the fact that it causes you to grow, to make something new, to be strengthened again. You may have areas in your mind, in your life that drag you down, depressive thoughts, depressive um, um, situations that came into your life. You have to replace those things. You have to do a replacement of theology, if you will. You have to come out of certain things by renewing them, by renovating them. It's going to make you strong. It's the idea of becoming strong in places where you were weak. The world wants to keep you weak and dependent on your feelings and your emotions. And we're going to get into that in, in the next in the next set of scriptures that I'm going to um, go into to help build this for you. Okay. He goes, but if you, if you don't, if you don't realize that the conformity to the world weakens you, then 
renewing of the mind is necessary. You have to switch the way you are thinking. You have to you have to come into how you come to the place where what you were relying on was true epistemology. That ex- that experience you went through, that that relationship you went through, that church that let you down, that um, that that whatever it is that takes you into a place that is not conforming to the Word of God, so that you can prove the will of God. See, if I don't conform to the Word of God, I will never confirm the will of God. The Word of God, the will of God, must be confirmed, proven, proven. The proving part comes from us. We come to realize that, yes, everything God said was true. Why? Because I proved it out. I have epigenosco. I have knowledge that has been tested with experience. I have not just book knowledge or head knowledge, but I have experiential knowledge because I tasted and saw that the Lord is good. That, 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 again, those are those are types of those are ways to begin to renew the mind by having a different experience and having a different and having a different um, perspective because I've experienced something. We used to have this song that in the church that I, I don't hear it anymore that says, "He touched me, He touched me, and oh the joy that flooded my soul." Something happened, and now I know. This is what we're talking about, that renewing. I went from an old touch to a new touch. I went from feeling this way to that way. The burdens we used to have the same from, from the altar was that I felt like a weight was taken off my shoulders. Yes, I know, because you become strong now. You become strong now. That's what renewing does. It strengthens those areas of life that were weak. It's just not the renovating, but it is the rejuvenating of the of the body, of the person, of the mind. I want to think right. The nous, N-O-U-S in the Greek, and it's, it has to do with your divine or human in thought, feeling, and your will. How you think, how you feel, and what you will yourself to do. That's the mind. That's that's the power of the mind. Why do you think I, I played last week where there's a battle for the mind? There's the battle for how you think. There's a battle for your feelings. There's a battle for your will. And if you don't understand how all that is connected by mind, by mind, how you process your the knowledge, the knowledge you're, you're living with, how you process those emotions, how you process those feelings, it's mind. So if you don't have a renewed process, a renewed perspective, renewed tools in your in your toolkit, then you're going to continue to act the same old way and feel the same old way. Okay? You can you're going to go keep going the same old direction. Even though you can dress yourself up and clean yourself up and do all of that, if you don't think differently, that's why I opened up with with the great Miles Monroe that that says the how you think is greater than what you do. Because there's some people that just do things because they 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 know it's the right thing to do, but their emotions are wrong, their will is wrong, they 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 are they are what we would call compliant, but they're not committed. When you when you have a renewed mind, you are committed to the Word of God. You're committed to the to the to this way of thinking. You're committed. I'm renewed. Okay, so I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this this scripture here that tells me that my mind, my will, my emotions are affected by how I think. And if I don't renew my thinking, 
then I'm going to struggle to know what the will of God is. Why? Because the will of God must be proven. I must have epistemology. I must know why I believe what I believe. And I must track the sources of my information all the way back to God so that I can have confidence. I can have confidence in what I believe. Who has believed the report? I've got to nurture and parent the idea of, the, the ideas in my mind and in my heart about God, what he requires of me. Because I want to have this gnosko, this knowledge. How do, I, how do I know my knowledge is true? Because I can feel my knowledge. I have experienced my knowledge. I, that's how I come to know certain things. Because I have empirical knowledge. I've experienced some things. I've learned some things. I've felt some things. I've tasted some things. It's all empirical knowledge. Gnosko. That's how I know it to be true. Because I've touched him. I've seen him. I've prayed. And he's answered my prayers. I nurture those thoughts. I nurture those thoughts. And it's helped me to prove the will of God in my life. Again, the mind, the will, the emotion, the intellect. Why do you think Satan is fighting everything? Why do you think the media has gone crazy? Why do you think the educational system is 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 the playground for the devil? Why do you think all that all that is up in the air right now? Because they want to control how you think. They want to control your emotions. They want to control, want you, they want to control how you feel about things and have a worldly perspective of things. But no, we have to renew. We have to, we have to heed what, what Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay? We have to, we have to heed that. We have to wrap our minds around that and start saying, you know what? I need a renewed perspective on this. I'm going to, I'm going to go up the, uh, the epistemological process of asking the right questions, of looking and researching and searching the scripture, because I want to come into true knowledge. I want to come into that which is true. And I know it for myself. And then once I know it for myself, I begin to process my mind. I begin to take out old things, things that hurt me, things that, that disturb me. I stop looking at certain things. I like what Psalms 101, I believe it's verse three says, what David writes, it says, I will put no, nothing wicked before my eyes. Why is he saying that? I don't want crooked things in front of my mind. I don't want my heart to be haunted by crooked things, memories. I want to renew that. I'm not going to put those things in front of my mind, in front of my eyes, because it affect me. You can never unsee some things or unfeel some things. So we have to continue this process of thinking, this nuance which affects my feelings, which affects my will, which affects my thought processes and my actions. I like what Romans 12, Romans 1, uh, 28 through 31. Now, again, this is, this is, um, this is eye-opening. Okay. It's eye-opening that we would think that, 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 you know what? God cares about what you think. He cares about what the culture thinks, what the world thinks. Romans 1, 20 through 31 says, and even as they did not retain, that word retain, okay, he's talking about Romans, you know, Romans chapter 1, you know, where, where it talks about the, the culture, it talks about what evil men did and wicked women did, and, and you know, that's where that great verse in verse uh, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, right, that, that, 
that's the same chapter. But there's a reason why he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And then he lays these things out to show you that he's not ashamed. He says, even as they did not retain God in their knowledge. He's talking about the world. What they did was the word retain is the Greek word echo, where you get the the echoing of. Okay, that's why it's important to echo the knowledge of God to your children, to teach people. What are you doing when you teach people the true word of God is you're echoing that information forward. So what the world has done now is that they have taken God out. In other words, they stop echoing the the, the natural laws. They, they, they started removing God from the consciousness of society. They began to take God's knowledge completely away. Why did they stop echoing it? Okay, that's important. That's why your family needs to know the word of God. Why? Because it needs to echo in the chambers of their hearts. They need to know that the word of God is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. They need to echo that knowledge forward. Why? Because it if it doesn't echo in them, it'll die in your generation. It'll die in your generation. This is why they don't want God anywhere. You know, some people, some people don't realize that when they when they said uh, there's no religious, you know, there's no uh, religious exemptions, you have to take the vaccine. You know what they were saying to you? They were saying that there is no God. There's no healing. There's your, your natural immunity, the thing that God gave you, right? It, 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 that doesn't mean anything to us. We're God. We're telling you, you take this. Why? Because they're removing, it's the process of subconsciously removing God. There's no religious exemptions. In other words, it doesn't matter what you believe. They're taking the knowledge of God out of your mind. They're making government God. They're they're doing this. There's no man, there's no women. Even though Jesus said, in the beginning, God made man for women. Boom, just like that. He said that, you know, in the book of Matthew, when they were questioned about marriage. Listen. Everything is to remove God. It's so that the knowledge of God will not echo from generation to generation. That's why they want a godless society. That's why they want they want to kill the, the abortion issue. It was so huge. Why? Because we say all, all life is sacred. And what they say is, no, we can do, we can take life. So they have to start distorting life. They have to start saying, oh, the heartbeat and all all that stuff. They don't realize all life comes from God. No, they have to get rid of God and they have to make themselves God. It's man making themselves God. That's, That's this whole, the crux of this whole thing. There is no God. They are God. There's no, I mean, this is what was, um, astonishing with the church when the church bent its knee and said, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna obey the government. When they looked at, what did that do to Jehovah Rapha? Did he all of a sudden get taken off guard because, oh, we have to consider people. And we, no, we, we, we've done enough considering a people. We've thrown away the doctrine of divine healing. I want you to think about that. How the church stopped echoing healing and deliverance for two years. And we put our masks on and we separated ourselves and we turned ourselves down and we went virtual because the world said so. Well, what, what do you think would have happened with Paul in the times of in the times in the times of the apostles? Acts chapter four: Do we obey God or obey, or obey man? 
going to tell you you can't preach that or you can you can't go against the the uh, the, the laws of, of of our government. You can't do that. If they violate the word of God, we go completely against it. And when they begin to start even saying here in crazy California, oh, you can't even worship. There's no singing in the church. Oh yeah, why? Because they don't want the knowledge of God to be retained from generation to generation. That's why they destroy the, the, the nuclear family. It's all a plan. It's all a destructive plan. It's all a plan to reinstitute doctrines of devils, humanistic ideas that men will worship men. Men will worship their own knowledge. He says, and even as they did not retain God in the knowledge, God gave them over. God gave them over. That, 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 word, that word to give over means to, he released them. He released them. He gave them over to a debased, okay, to a debased mind. See, you got to realize something. God does not violate the human will. He gave them over. Paradidomai. Pada means to surrender, to entrust. Well, that's what you guys want. That's what you guys want to act crazy. Go ahead and act crazy. Hey, you're going to see what's going to happen to you. See, listen, you can, you can make your choice, but you can't choose your consequence. And look what's happened to humanity ever since that, when they turned their back on God. Pada did He turned them over. He, he released them to that. Those things that, that were, that were, that they wanted, they pushed for. There are people that are that push for these things. Yeah, God will turn you over to it. You'll have whatever you want. He says this: He gave them over to to sexual to a debased mind. Adokimos, adokimos, to be morally worthless, to be a reprobate. In, in other words, to, to, to live with knowledge that doesn't have any test of time to it. It's just whimsy things. It's just these, these fads. He turned them over to fads. Their minds were based on fads. Debased thinking is, is these, these things that are not stable. They're immoral. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, kind of like cheap clothing that if you wash them a time, it all comes apart. That's debased. That's debased designs. And so when you look at the knowledge of God, he says he turned them over to a debased way of thinking, a debased way of thinking. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to go through all those process. Read, read uh, all the way from chapter uh 1, 28 through 31. You can you can read all that. I don't want to get into to all that stuff. It'll take too much time. Okay. Romans, Romans 8, 5 through 7. And, and I love this, okay? Because don't forget, you have this, you have these words mind used 24, 24 times by Paul. Okay, or within the New Testament. Listen, listen to this. For those who live according to the to the flesh, set their minds. Now that word, now, now that word mind is not nuos, like we studied before. 
but it's the word proneo, which, which means to exercise. It's the process of thinking. It's the execution of thinking. So what it's saying here is that for those that, that execute fleshly thoughts through their minds, those that are executing these evil ideas, those that, that are using their bodies as instruments of evil towards things against God through, through carnal living, Listen to this. For those who execute and exercise opinions of men in how they think. So thinking is this word here. So let's put this in context here. For those who live according to the flesh, think on the things of the flesh. Think on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit of the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. Because the carnal mind is an enemy to God. To God. For it is not subject to the laws of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now again, this just blows everything out the water. So once you start exercising according to the flesh, your thinking becomes so fleshly, and all of a sudden you become not subject. Hypotasso. That means to get under the law of God. You're no longer under the law of God. There are many Christians that are not under the law of God. They, they think they're under grace, but grace is the law of God. They, they're not under anything. They can do whatever they want. They can, they can go to church, listen to the sermon, go home and do whatever they want. Why? Because of how they think, how they're exercising their mind, how they're executing thoughts. The process is broken. See, we have to get back to our minds, how we think how we process the knowledge of God. Are we asking the questions even from your sermons? I mean, when you look at, I mean, l listen to this verse, okay? Romans 14, 23. But he, he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. From faith. And whatever is not faith is, whatever is not from faith is sin. So, so if you are doing anything that does not come from the faith and do it in faith, then it's sin. Wow. How important is thinking? How important is it for us to start re-examining? When you hear things from your pulpit, hey, write a note down and go up to the pastor or go to the preacher and say, how did you get that? What's your reference point? And don't settle for God told me. No, I want to know how you searched, how you searched for the information. I want to know, I want to know how you came to that conclusion. I don't know how you lined up the text to say that. We have to get back to epistemology. Asking the questions to build the right mind. Because I want the mind of Christ. I want to build my mind thought by thought, line upon line, precept upon precept and cast down every imagination that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. 
Well, my Yorkies are barking, so I guess that's time for me to cut it, cut it here. I pray that you enjoyed this little session here, this 50-minute session here on thinking, renewing the mind. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.